Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. You may be seated. Thanks for being here. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. I'll ask you to keep the moving down to a minimum, please, as we go now into God's Word. I want to give you a little update. Man, we had an, um, just a great, great crowd in our new believers uh, small group Monday night. Um, probably any, somewhere around, I don't know, between 25 and 30 people. Um, people uh, that are hungry to to know more about Jesus. And uh, it's God's job to save them. It's our job to disciple them. Uh, people who have, are new in the, their faith. And then it's your job, new Christians, new converts, to submit to discipleship. You are to submit to discipleship. And, uh, you know, usually some of the last things you say are very important. And one of the last things Jesus said was to us was to go make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. Uh, his words hold, hold some credit, right? Absolutely. I want to read this to you, this verse. I want to read it to you because, well, I like it. 1 John chapter 3. We're going to be talking about identity tonight. So if you've never been to Grow, and uh, our schedule is kind of messed up uh, with spring break, this is first. This is first uh, Wednesday on second Wednesday, right? Uh, the office was closed last week, and so tonight would be our month where we start Grow. Grow is for people who are. Uh, new to Remnant Church, or maybe they're not new to Remnant Church, but they they want to be become partners here at Remnant Church. They're ready to serve, and uh, we have a three-week discipleship class every other month on Wednesdays. Uh, it's about an hour long, and uh, so that's this month. And uh, so I can I'm tonight I'm taking the first uh, lesson, uh, first class. Uh, and, and putting that in here tonight, bringing that to you tonight. And then the next two Wednesday nights, if you want to uh, know more about Remnant Church and uh, would like to start serving here and getting more involved, then I encourage you to come back the next two Wednesdays um, for Grow. And uh, some of y'all are saying, oh man, uh, uh, so you're preaching something I've already heard? Well, there ain't nothing new, guys. I can only preach out of one book, and uh, you may learn something that you didn't learn the first time. First John chapter 3. See what, well, this is new because I didn't do this. So, see, there you go. See what great love, what sort of love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. One version says, behold, what great love. Study it. Uh, 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 seek it out. Search it. 
Try to figure it out. Behold, look at this great love. And one version says that God has lavished on us. Do you hear the, the words here? See what great love, what sort of love, the lavished love of Jesus that God the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. I don't think there's any greater thing I can be called than a child of God. The reason the world, but everybody don't recognize this now. Family might recognize this. I'm not talking about blood family. I'm talking about kingdom family. But the world does not know us like that. They don't know we're, we got royal blood flowing through our veins. They don't know we, we talk to the creator and he talks to us. They don't know we got direct line to, to, to God and to, through Jesus Christ. They don't understand that. They think, some of us, they think we're crazy, and that's okay. And I can be called all kind of things as long as God calls me his child, as long as God calls me his own. We should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it doesn't know him. So how about I want to stop there? Uh, I've, I hear people talk about, I've heard people say they don't know. They don't know any better. They're ignorant. But they say things like, we're all God's children. But we're not. We're all God's creation. But we're not all God's children. You say, oh, I don't know about that, Pastor. He just said we're God's children. No, but look, if you go to John chapter 1, verse 12, and look what John chapter 1, the same, same writer, John chapter 1, and look what he says about these who are called God's children. John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God, to those who believe in his name. The only ones who are children of God, who can claim God to be their father, is those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. Not all creation is, no, every person who has been born is not God's child. You're God's child when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. You become part of the family of God through our elder brother, Jesus Christ, through placing your faith in him and what he done, what he did on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And when your faith is placed in him, you become a child of God. The first we can grow is all about identity, who you are in Christ. I don't care if you've been saved five minutes, five months, or five years. You need to be reminded of who you are in Christ. You see, because if you don't have a firm foundation of who you are in Christ, you'll become who everybody wants you to be. If you don't know what name you should be answering to, you'll answer to anything. So let's talk about who you are in Christ Jesus tonight. Who you are in Christ. First of all, I, I believe, I hope, I'm talking to believers tonight. And if you're a believer, if you're born again, then you have placed your faith in Christ Jesus. See, those who are saved, those who become God's children, it's not by church attendance, right? It's not by good deeds. You become a child of God through faith. And a lot of times we call this, 
Well, most of the time, we call this, you got saved. We, we, we say, I, I just, I got saved last Sunday. Anybody want to be saved? You raise your hands. I, I was talking to someone uh, two days ago in my office, and uh, the Lord just opened doors, so that I just started get, uh, giving them the gospel and telling them about Jesus. And I said, well, do you want to be saved? And she said, well, I'm not sure. I said, well, then are you ready to go to hell? And she said, I think I'll get saved. <laughs> saved, that's what we call it, saved, right? But the, the best term, I think, is what we find in John chapter 3, to be born again. Because that's really what happens. John chapter 3, verse 3. I want us to look at it together. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, talking to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus asked a question, how can anybody be born again? How can anybody be born twice? Uh, how can anybody be born when he's old, Nick asked. And how can he enter into his mother's womb a second time? And then Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So there's a second birth that takes place, this born-again experience. The first birth, the, the Bible says, is of water. Well, that has nothing to do with baptism, by the way. It's the natural birth. You were born of water. You know, like a, you heard, you know, uh, oh, my water broke, right? Something like that. <laughs> and then you rush into the hospital or whatever. Yeah, that's the natural birth. That's the first birth. But this birth that brings you into the family of God, because you can't get into the family of God as a Lancaster. You can't get into the family of God as a Gonzalez. You can't get into the family of God. Sure can't get into the family of God as a right. So you must be born again. You must be born again. This is a spiritual birth. You know, the Bible talks about you being crucified with Christ. Galatians chapter 2, 20 says, you are crucified with Christ. You're dead. But nevertheless, you live. Well, but it's not I that lives. It's Christ Jesus who lives in me. This is a new birth. I, I, I can't, I, I break it down into steps, but when you got saved and you got born again, it wasn't, a, it wasn't broken into steps. It was an instant thing, right? You placed your faith in Christ and bam, you didn't know exactly what happened, but you know something happened and it changed your life. But if I could break it down into steps, this is exactly what happened. You died. You died, but then God sent His, God sent the Son of, uh, the Spirit of His Son Jesus in us, and it raised us up from the dead, and we became a new person. And all the old, all the sin, all the used to be's left was left down in the tomb, and we come up a new creation in Christ Jesus. At all things dead, pass away. Behold, all things new. And I believe this happened when Jesus put, God put his, the spirit of his son Jesus 
in our heart. First Peter chapter one, verse 23. They're gonna put it up on the screen for us. I have, I, I have faith. Look at there. Nothing is impossible with God. Look what it says. Because you have been born again, there's that word. This is a whole nother book, y'all. I mean, it's the same book, different writer. Because, this is Peter, because you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, stop right there. This seed that's on the inside of you that raised you from the dead will not die. Now, you can, you can say, I don't know about that, Pastor. Well, read it. You read right, right. What's it say? This is a seed that does not die. It's an imperishable seed. This is not a perishable seed, but an imperishable seed through the living and enduring Word of God. Now, why is it important that this seed doesn't pass away? Because if it was based on your performance, if it was based on a rough season, I'm, I'm real simple. I think about a seed. I think about putting it in the ground. I think about watering it. You know, I seen something the other day on social media that said if you talk to your plants, I, I promise, I've seen this. Now, it could be a bunch of, it could be lies. It's true. Uh, let me catch you talking to your plants. <laughs> I'll ask you what you're growing. <laughs> anyway. But they said if they, you talk to your plant, sing to it, tell it jokes, that that thing will grow, you know. So I think about this seed, I think about it coming up and, and looking good and being pretty. But also then I think about, you know, the new wears off of it. You forget to water it. Huh? Forget to feed it. You don't prune it. You quit singing to it. Mark, quit talking to it. And you know what happens? That thing starts looking funny. Starts kind of getting all wilty looking, droopy, hanging over, sad, thirsting to death. But it ain't dead. The other day in the finance office, there was some plants that Ariel had put in there. Well, Ariel is pregnant now, so she quit. But anyway, I'm not sour about that or nothing. <laughs> but so she put, so guess what? Who, who don't, who don't, who didn't worry about the plants? <laughs> Nobody. And when we came in the other day, they were just <laughs> like that. And I thought, they're dead. They're dead. Throw them out. Get them out of here. But you know what? They watered them. And I'm telling you, within an hour, they were whoosh, straight back up. They looked like they'd never had any issues. Now, this is why this is important. Because some of y'all don't get watered like you ought to. 
Some of y'all don't eat like you're supposed to. You don't get fed. Huh? I'm talking about get from here. Some of you ain't always living like you ought to. But there's still a seed. Anybody listen to what I'm saying right now? Because I'm preaching really good right now. There's a seed. When you want to give up, there's somebody in you that won't give up. When you want to quit, there's somebody on the inside of you that won't quit. When you all covered up and you look like it's, it's just it's too late, it's, it's too bad, can I remind you the spirit of Jesus, the one who was dead for three days but rose up out of the grave, lives on the inside of you, this same Jesus, this seed, this incorruptible seed. Say amen. amen. Lives on the inside of you. How does this happen? How does this happen? By grace through faith. How was I born again? Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Talks about the gospel. Now, I believe the gospel and grace by looking at God's word, they're synonymous. Same. And Paul would say, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, good news, the grace of Jesus, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And this is how this is what happens. What is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus died for you and instead of you. And he rose again. And if you Paul tells us if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are saved. And at that moment, the spirit of Jesus comes to live inside of you. And it's a brand new life, a life that you have never lived, unlike any other life. It's a it's for the first time. It's a life worth living. It's a hope worth having. It's purpose that you've never had before. Do you understand what I'm saying? And how do I receive it? By going to church? No. By being baptized? Mm -mm. Go right back to John chapter 3 with that issue, that, that, that scenario with Nicodemus and Jesus. Jesus said, Nicodemus, if you want to be saved or if you want to be born again, or if you want to inherit the I'll get it right in a minute. If you want to inherit the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And then he goes into how you're born twice. And then John chapter 3, verse 16, he tells us, we all know this, for God so loved the world. And he's telling Nick, Nick, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whosoever believes on him. See, we get we get these flipped around behave and believe. We first want to behave right and then but that's not how it works. You believe and your belief changes your behavior. You don't see in this church you don't got you don't get cleaned up before you come part of the family. In fact, I don't want you to try to clean up. I want you to come in your mess. I want, I want you to come lost as you can be. You know, James, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to continue in the book of James Sunday, but it talks about how hard it is for, for, for the rich 
The ones that don't think they're in need of anything. Or the ones who think they've all got it together. It's hard, got it together. It's hard for them to receive Jesus. But the lowly, they know they need Jesus. The one who knows that they're in a mess. He told Nick, believe that I am the gift and you'll be saved. It's by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. This is my, this is my life verse. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. Do you know the word of God's powerful, right? The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. That's pretty, pretty tough. Cuts. I'll always remember, as long as I live, when we were in Honduras, me and Joe and Pastor Sam and uh, Josh, Dustin, Am I leaving somebody out? I think I saw. Anyway, we went to Honduras and we went into this. We went up a mountain. We walked forever. And we got to a, or maybe they drove us. Maybe we drove forever. That's what happened. Well, at one day we walked forever. One day we drove forever. This day we drove forever. Rocks and it was about, I mean, I was for sure that organs that were down here were up here, and those that were up here had shifted down there. But uh, we went in this, this man's house. He was like the chief of the village. And we went in there, and everybody there is Catholic. Everybody. Just a few. You'll run into some that aren't, but most are Catholic and religious. And um, I can remember going there and uh, we were supposed to get permission from this, from this gentleman to talk to the other people that live in that community. And when we got there, we started talking to him, you know, through a translator. He was probably, I would say, 75 years old. Um, and we were talking and I just get these wild hairs about me. I'll look at people and try to, I'm like Alicia, remember I brought her up here the other a couple of Sundays ago and she said she could spot out people who ain't saved. <laughs> That's a joke, but anyway, she really can't y'all. This is your first time here, but anyway, but then sometimes you kind of can, can't you? <clears throat> but anyway, I, I, I looked at him and I just thought, boy, it would be terrible if I f flew all this way got in this man's house and not present him with the gospel. And I asked him, I said, are you saved? And I guess the translator said what I said. You always wonder, right? <laughs> you don't know. And she spoke Spanish and I, he, he kind of nodded his head and I said, I said, okay, good. How do you know you're saved? 
He said, well, I go to church. I said, yes. Because see, that ain't, that ain't the right answer. That is the wrong answer. Amen. That lets me know right off the bat that you don't understand salvation. I said, well, would you go, would you, so would you go to heaven or hell when you died? And then he said, I think I'd go to heaven. That's the wrong answer too. He said, I've been, I've been going to mass and I'm trying really hard. And I began to talk about how trying really hard just don't really cut it. Amen. That God's perfect. And I watched this man and the translator translate and we were going back and forth. The guys were around there. And I watched this man begin to tear, begin to roll down his face. Now here I am. I don't speak the language. Don't even know if I needed help. Don't even know where I'm at. Sure don't know how to get back from, to the town that we were staying in. But I watched Jesus do something. He showed up in that house, if that's what you want to call it. He showed up in there, and I began to, we, we begin to quote this scripture. They had a Spanish Bible. And I said, turn it to Ephesios. Dos. Ocho. E nueve. I said, read it to him. Read it to him. And I began to show him, listen, brother, you're not saved by works. You're not saved by effort. You're not saved by trying. You're not saved by mass. You're not saved by church attendance. And I said, listen, what if I told you you can know without a shadow of a doubt, like you ain't got to wonder if you're saved, you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you are saved because it's not based on what you can do. It's based on what Jesus has already done. And all you got to do is believe on him. Tears rolling down his face. I said, hey, you want that? You want, I'm, I'm fired up now. I'm fired. You want it? You want it? We can do it. You want to do it? You want to get saved? Yeah, I want to get saved. That's the power of the gospel. I watched it happen two, two days ago. This lady came with this other lady and man. She wasn't even there to be talked to. Now, after I talked to this lady and this guy, I seen her sitting there. I thought, boy, it'd be a shame if she's come into my office in this church and I didn't give her the gospel. And you know what God done? It's this thing about communication. It's ain't about being a good communicator or not a good communicator. This is about the power of the gospel. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God under salvation. And it's received by faith. When you were born again, you were born again not by works. You were born again by faith. 
There's a denomination of believers who believe they don't know if they're saved. They say they hope they're saved. I hope I'm saved. Because, see, their salvation is based on works. But our salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, this word and this salvation that this word speaks about is accessed only by believing. Believing that Jesus died and rose again. You say, well, pastor, I already know that. I know all this. Well, then why aren't you telling people about it? No, 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 no. Let me, let me just, let me just, let me just. If it's so familiar to you, why don't you, if you're so well rehearsed <laughs> in it, well, why, don't you, why aren't you telling people about it? Because, see, this is why I love the gospel. Because you don't have to have any special gifts or talents to receive it. You don't have to come from a certain family or have a certain pedigree. Or, mm-mm. You just believe. Recognize the fact that Jesus wants me and I need Jesus. If we're so well rehearsed in it, we ought to be telling people about him. You say, well, that's a pastor thing. I'm going to tell you you're wrong. You're so wrong. And if you're waiting on your kids for the pastor to save your kids, your kids might go to hell and it might be your fault. Because it ain't a pastor thing. It's a believer thing. You who've tasted and seen that God is good, tell somebody about it. I remember when Toreros opened up. And they were okay. And I had been praying that the Lord would send a Mexican buffet to, yeah, to this. Ever since the devil stole El Patro's away, robbed us. I've been praying, Lord, what the devil meant for evil. Lord, turn it around for good. Give me double for my trouble, Lord. I sound like a TV preacher now, don't I? Let me double for my truth. Anyway, and they, lo, lo and behold, they wound up with a, a buffet. And, and I went there and I thought, Lord, this is, this is good. And you know what I've done? I started telling people about it. I had tasted and seen that it was good. And I thought, boy, I want other people to enjoy the beefy roll-ups. I want other people to enjoy the quesadillas and all that. I want them to know that there's a new, there's a place in town, Cynthia. I want them to know. Well, so I started telling them, and you know what? They started coming. Now, isn't that amazing that I would do that for Mexican food? Got you there. But what about this? What about this glorious grand gospel that there is nothing like? Are we sharing that? 
Are we telling people about? And I know there's this thing that says like, I don't have to talk the gospel. I can show people the gospel. Well, you know, that's a cop out, right? You can, bet, you, 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 you can show them, but you've got to tell them. This ain't charades, okay? You open your mouth and you tell them, hey, let me tell you what God done for me. What did he do? Now, I'm going to close. What did he do? You, what, what do I tell him, Pastor? You tell, you tell them who you are. Who am I, Pastor? You are complete. Totally complete in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. We're going to go through it real quick. For the entire, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled, filled, full. Are you picking that up? You You are filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. Right there, the word tells me that I am totally complete in Christ Jesus. Lacking absolutely nothing. Filled. If, 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 If God fill you, you think there's any room left over for anything else? If God pour into you, you think there's room for anything else? You are completely full with the fullness of God. You are complete in him. Now, let's go on. Uh, You're complete in him. Verse 11, you are also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands, It's a circumcision of the spirit, the cutting off, the cutting away of the old and putting it away. You're a brand new person in Christ Jesus. In the circumcision of Christ, when you were buried with him, we talked about that, in baptism, and you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You are complete in Christ Jesus. Number one, you are completely saved in Christ Jesus. There, there, you're not, there's no, there's no, uh, well, I'm, I'm a level whatever Christian and you're a level whatever Christian. No, there's no levels. You are saved or you're not saved. And if you are in Christ Jesus, you are completely saved. Then look at verse 13. It says, and when you were dead in trespasses, And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us of all. Somebody say all. All our trespasses. I want to tell you tonight, not only are you completely saved, but my Bible tells me we are completely forgiven. Totally. 100%. Completely forgiven of every sin that you have ever committed. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for every sin. Did he die for my future sin? Well, were you born then? Were you born when Jesus died? Well, then yes. All of your sin, past, present, and future, was taken care of on the cross over 2,000 years ago. And when you place your faith in Jesus, you are completely forgiven. Isn't it wonderful to know that, that no sin is held against you, against your charge? 
Isn't it wonderful to know you may not have some of the things that other people have, but you've got something that a lot of people don't have. You've got peace that passes all understanding. You can lay your head down on the pillow at night, and you're not wondering about your soul and about your spiritual condition, but you know if the Lord took you home and called you up from this place, you know where you spend eternity. Man, that's something that money cannot buy. You are completely saved, completely forgiven, and then look what it says in verse 14. And then he erased the certificate of debt. This is one of my favorite verses as well. With all its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. I love that. Their certificate of debt. Now I can only use a natural mind. I try to figure this out, but I think about like a credit card and all you get on going vacation and you don't listen to Dave Ramsey and you use your credit card and you rack up all them charges on your credit card and you just uh, charge it and you get home and you wouldn't believe it but you spend a lot of money, a lot more money than you thought you would spend, right? You were like 40 here, 30 there, you know what I mean? And then it's like 1,000, 1,500, bam. And then you, then you pay it off, right? Well, here's the thing. We racked up charges that we didn't have the currency to pay off. We had charges credited to our account or charged to our account that we couldn't pay off. And the only way we could pay them off is through death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. So God gave me a gift. So here I am with, an, with, a, with a statement of charges and it says, how would you like to pay these charges? Death or death? And you know what that means? That means I'm dead. I'm doomed. It's over for me. But God, I get a call. <laughs> you can't be saved unless God call you. And I got a call. And I picked up my soul phone. Now, now I'm going with it now. Picked up my soul phone. And guess who it was? It was God wanting to give me a gift to pay all my charges. The gift of Jesus. Jesus even said it about himself to the woman at the well. He said, hey, would you give me some water? She said, why are you talking to me? He said, listen, if you knew who was talking to you, if you knew the gift of God that was standing in front of you right now, you'd ask me for water, and I'd give you water, and you'd never thirst 
again. Ah, God gave us a gift. Who's his gift? Who's this gift? This gift is Jesus Christ, erasing all of our charges. And then it says, disarming the rulers and authorities. He disgraced them publicly and he triumphed over them in him. He disarmed. Disarmed who? Satan. See, now Satan has... Satan has really... He has weapons, but he don't have any bullets. I, t I told y'all this. I've shared this with y'all before, right? You remember? No, you know, I'm, I'm, y'all don't remember. Y'all don't remember what I say. It's like me if I pull a gun out on you. You. Both of y'all. I got two guns. And I say, and I turn them that way. Right? This way, it don't matter. And I say, give me all your money. And I got guns. And you ain't got no gun, okay? And you don't know jujitsu or nothing like that, okay? And you don't either. You know what you do? You start looking for money. And I say, come on, faster. You too. You too. Give me some money. All oh, y'all right here, give me some. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to start giving me money. And then I go away and I get your money. And I say, all right. Uh-huh. Okay. And I walk away. And I go to my house. And I got all this money. And what they didn't know is I had a gun. But I didn't have no bullets. You just got pumped is what happened. That's what just happened to y'all. Now, you don't know I didn't have no bullets, but I, kn I knew I didn't have any bullets. And see, that's what Satan does to us every day. He says, you ain't no Christian. You ain't no child of God. G give, me, give me what you got. You, you might as well quit. Give up. If you were saved, you wouldn't have done. You ain't saved. Them people are remnant. Now, they, some of them, they really saved, but you ain't one of them. They don't struggle like you struggle. They don't have that problem you got. They, they don't, none of them struggle like, give it up. Quit. That's what he says. I know what you've done, and he does. And he'll tell the truth, but he'll mix a lie with it. And what he wants you to do, he wants to hold you up to get you to quit. But the Bible says he's been dis. Arm. Why? Because all your sins have been forgiven. Your charges have been erased. And he might bring something up to you, but can I tell you, that's his job. He's an accuser of the brethren. But I read right here that I am completely saved. I am completely forgiven. And I have total and complete victory that all my charges were nailed to the cross and taken out of the way. How many of you have given in to the enemy when he holds you up? You know why we do that? Because we don't know who we are in Christ. Satan knows, Satan knows more about our true identity than we do. But I'm telling you tonight, you are, get it, write it down, take a picture of it, put it in your phone, 
through Jesus Christ. This is who you are. You are completely saved. You are completely forgiven. You are completely victorious. The identity of Christ has now become your identity. You say, no, 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 no. Well, that's what the Bible says, that you are a joint heir with Christ Jesus. You were brought into the family of God. The writer of Hebrews calls Jesus our older brother. And you were brought into this wonderful family through Jesus Christ. And now his identity becomes your identity. And you better hope I'm right. Because when you stand before God, you won't wanna, you ain't gonna wanna say, oh, look at all these good stuff I've done, Lord. Remember when, remember when I, at Christmas time, when that commercial with the dogs and they're starving to death and it's snowing and that lady singing that sad song, remember when I gave $10 to the ASPCA? Remember when I put, I put money every year in the, in the Salvation Army bucket? Remember, Lord, I went to church. Remember, Lord, I gave offering. I help people. See, the only problem with that, those are good things. But God ain't good. God's perfect. And it is impossible for you be, to be good enough for God. So God gave us a perfect gift. Jesus. He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Stand with me all across the building. Everybody wasn't raised like I was. We all have different backgrounds. Some of, some of them are the same. The reason I'm so passionate about identity is because I, I got saved when I was 12 years old. I remember it. I believe that was probably the age where I like I guess I just, that was when it was real. I can remember where we were at. I can remember. Yeah, it was a pretty radical thing, too. I scared you off, y'all, to sing it. It was in a, Pentecost, a, a real Pentecostal church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, uh, well, I remember God saving me. <clears throat> but I didn't really know who I was, really begin to learn identity until 2017. So I went from that for that long. That was a long time to not understand really who I was in Christ. And you know what salvation was based upon? I mean, I was saved. That's the thing about it. I was saved, even if I didn't really understand my identity, I was totally saved. But it was all about performance. 
and works and behavior. And that's a noble thing, I mean, in a way, because you want to be pleasing to God, but my salvation was based on me being pleasing to God. So if I wasn't pleasing to God, then I wasn't saved. And then I, if I was pleasing to God that day, then I was saved. Nobody's been saved more than me. I got saved five or six times a day. See, some of y'all don't get it. Because I told you, it's not the same. We're not all the same. Different backgrounds. And the whole time, I was saved. But you know what? I did not enjoy my salvation. I didn't have a blessed assurance. I had no assurance. But I had a whole lot of doubt. That's why it's important for me to get you to understand who you are in Christ. Identity. Because what it'll do is it'll change your life. It'll change the way you live. It won't make you, see, you would think, well, if you make it about performance, you'd sin less. I'll tell you that ain't the way it works. If you make it about performance, you'll sin more. Because it's not God's way of doing things. God's way is by grace through faith. And the grace of God and identity and understanding this is who God said I am. And when you begin to understand this is who God said I am. God said I'm righteous. God said I'm holy. Then you begin to live holy. You begin to live righteous. So I want you to know who you are in Christ. Because the devil's going to spend the rest of your life telling you, who you that you're not who God tells you. And then the Holy Spirit is going to spend the rest of your life convincing you that you are. Lord, I ask you tonight to help us to take this word and apply it to our hearts and apply it to our lives. Father, I pray tonight that we would embrace who we are in you. And this changes everything. Thank you, Father, that we're completely saved, completely forgiven, and completely victorious. God, we give you glory. We give you honor for it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. Hope you have a great week. Don't forget about our weekend services this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.